Let's receive Dr. Joyce Woods at this time. Thank you. I wished I could sing for you this morning. Because if I could, I would start singing Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Oh, I was once blind, but you see, now I see. If only I could sing for you. I would sing what a friend. What a friend I have in Jesus. A friend above all friends. There is no other friend like Jesus. And I'd have to sing for you that he touched me. And all the joy that filled my soul. I know that he touched me. And I've not been the same. I'd have to sing another song for you. How I got over. How I came up on the rough side of the mountain. And I walked to the other side. I'd have to sing for you this morning. Oh, that he keeps on blessing me. I don't know why. Don't know that I deserve it. Hallelujah. But he keeps on blessing me anyhow. Oh, if I could only sing for you this morning. I'd have to sing, precious Lord. Oh, yes, take my hand. I through the storms. I'm tired. And I'm worried, but I must go on, but I must go on. Precious Lord. Precious Lord. Oh, if only I could sing for you this morning. Ah, I guess you said, well, why don't you sing? Why don't you tell us this story? And just sing about the man that you love more than anything. And that's your God. But unfortunately, if I tried to sing for you, it wouldn't be happy with me. So as my husband would say, and since he's not here today, thank you, Jesus, I can get loose. I can let the Holy Spirit speak his word. And I'm sorry that it's being taped, but don't let him know about it. Because he tells me, Joyce, stay on point. But sometimes the Holy Spirit won't allow that. You just have to move with the Spirit. And so if I could really this morning share with you about who I am and what I am, it's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. Won't you bow your heads? Our Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. They say that they have sung all the songs, taken up the offerings, did a lot of talking about all these other kinds of things, but now the hour has come, the moment is here, that they stand patiently, God saying, we're expecting something today. Don't disappoint us. So we bind up Satan that he cannot operate in this place. And we say, Holy Spirit, come. Come, you are welcome. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you will give me the calmness to reveal your mysteries as you speak your word. Let the fire let the fire be in my teaching this morning. Come, Holy Spirit, come. In Jesus' name we pray. I want to thank you for inviting me. It is indeed more than just a pleasure to be in your presence. Because I knew your pastor when he was just a little boy. And what I want to talk about today, I was surprised to find Senior here today. But you know, God is so good. I'm going to talk about generational stuff. If you want to know something about somebody, go find their mama or their daddy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. They can come home and tell you all kinds of lies. You know, my girl, when she was dating, she'd bring somebody home and I'd say, 
How do you do, sir? It's nice to meet you. Where's your daddy? And my daughter said to me one time, don't embarrass me, mama, asking about somebody's daddy. I said, where's your daddy and your mother? Because anybody can be nice for a little short period of time. But if you really want to know the real deal, follow them home and see that mom and daddy. And that's what it is until Jesus Christ come and change their lives. So it's very important to me to talk about families because let me tell you why it is so important. As I said to you earlier, that family is important to God. It's very important to him. Because you see, the condition of the family determines the condition of the kingdom, the world. The condition, what goes on in your house, what you're producing, will determine what the community is going to be like. What the school is going to be like. What the White House is going to be like. All the houses start at home. You have the power in your house to make a difference in the world. Because what you teach your children, it goes into the world and join it with other communities. So the family is the most important thing. And that's why Satan works so hard to destroy the family. It is essential for him to destroy it. In the meantime, when a husband and a wife is supposed to be raising their children and doing what they were supposed to do, like the people said this morning, which was wonderful, when they said, Satan will steal you away into any kind of activity just long enough to get his hands on Julia and Susie. And by the time you stop doing whatever you're doing, it's too late for Susie and John. They've already been taken out. They're either into drugs, sex, or whatever else. So family is very important. And that's why I spend so much of my time trying to train mothers and fathers about the lives that they live and what we teach and how we teach our children because it's important to God. Uh, In Hosea 4, 6 says, my people are destroyed from a lack of knowledge. Now, you said, well, why do you say that about what I'm going to talk about today? It's because when I see people in my office who come because, now we can't have this squeaking. That happens everywhere I go, by the way. Um, My husband said, well, if it's Satan trying to shut you up, tell him he's making a sad mistake because you got a mouth big enough, loud enough that you don't need a microphone. (laughs) And after that, we don't have any more squeaking. So we'll see if that happens today. And so he said, my people perish from a lack of knowledge. And so people don't want to do some of the things that they do. But they do it anyhow. John says, is it Paul who said, there's something deep down on the inside of me that make me do the things, I'm paraphrasing this for you ministers and all you biblical students. But he said, there's something deep down inside of me that make me do things that I know is wrong when I'm doing it. But I do it anyhow. What is that thing? What is that thing? Most people don't know what that thing is. And I'm going to address that today for you. Now listen to this. Write these scriptures down because otherwise I'd be with you for a long time and you can talk about it later. Ephesians 6, 10 10 through 12. Last of all, I want to remind you that your strength comes from the Lord's mighty power within you. The power that's within you. Put on God's armor so that you will be able to stand safely Against the strategies, his strategies, and the tricks of Satan. Now, right here, he's telling you that this thing that we are working against has has a plan. 
and it strategizes and yeah. it plans and orchestrates yeah. just to get you in the right place to do what it is that he wants to do. Right, right. And he does this because he knows. He knows your mother and your daddy and he yeah. knows what their weaknesses are. Yeah. Yeah. And whatever their weaknesses are, he knows. Yes. If he yes. fools around with you long enough, guess what? He'll have you too. Yes. Oh, yes. Okay? Yes. Strategies. Yes. He has strategies and he has plans that he orchestrates. He thinks about it. He assigns certain kinds of, of demonic powers to you in the womb. Yes. We'll get yes. to that too. So he says here, but we are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood. What are we talking about? How many times have you read that scripture? And do you know what it means? Do you know what that means? You know what it means that you're not fighting against? Stand, stand. You see, when you and your husband are having a fight and you want to take the knife to him, you know what I mean? You want to kill him? But it's not the flesh and the blood that we're going to kill. It's the thing that's on the inside of him that I got to get to. Are you following me? It's not the flesh and the blood. This is flesh and blood. That's the behavior that he's putting out, the flesh. There's something on the inside of him that causes him to do what he does. And so what you need to do is to learn how to relate to that spirit that's on the inside of him. Are you following me? Somebody say amen. Amen. That spirit, okay, you can sit down. I'll bring you back later. It's a flesh and blood. (laughs) But against persons without a body. Now I'm reading, this is out of the Bible. Persons without a body. So stop cussing out your husband. Stop threatening to kill your grandmother. This thing doesn't have a body. It's gotten on the inside. It was born. Because it's passed on when I get to that in a minute. From one generation to the other. I want to cut it down at the root. I want to deal with the issue. Not with you, Marlon. You're not it, Pastor. Not what I see in front of me. Mm. It's something on the inside of you. Yes. How do I get to it? Somebody help me now. Well. Come on and tell me, how do you get to that thing that's on the inside? Prayer. He said prayer. Some of you have been praying, look like for a mighty long time, and you haven't gotten to it yet. <laughs> yes. There's something missing. Yes. Yes. There's something that's still going on. Yes. You haven't got to the root the cause of that thing that's on the inside that causes you to do the things that you do that you don't want to do. How many of you have done things that you said, I'm not going to do that no more? Yes. And you did it 25 minutes later. Or if not, after two weeks, oh, you did it. Didn't you yes. do it? Yes, you did it. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hallelujah. Oh, read on now. It says, without bodies. The evil rulers of the unseen world. What are we talking about? I want to tear this thing apart for those mighty satanic beings, those great evil princes of the darkness who rules this world. (laughs) We as our church members don't want to talk about this, but there is something going on in the universe. There is something going on in the universe. In the unseen world, it has principalities and powers. It talks about it. Read Ephesians 6.10. And these powers have rank order. They have order. Yes, they do. They have power. Most of us spend our time on the troops. We never get to the general. Oh, and I wish I had time to talk about that. We never, but it says that they have rank order. Principalities and powers. 
So today, as we talk about this, keep this verse in mind as I talk to you about generational curses. Now, you've heard this a whole lot of times before. You've examined it and you've thought about it, and you're still doing the same things that you heard about, aren't you? Say yes. Yes. (laughs) Well, today, I have expectations to teach you how, how to do something about it. I come from a long, long line of people that I thought that I would never do anything with my life because of who they were. I grew up in a little town, as I said, with my aunts. They were beautiful women. They're big women, but they were beautiful. And all the men in town loved them. And if we, there was another group of women across the way. There were two groups, my aunts and this other group across the way. If, uh, if those women and my aunt got their hands on your man, forget it. It was over. It was over. Home breaking was a part of their everyday menu. Who's next in line? Come on. Bring them on in here one at a time, and they were never the same. You've heard of those people, haven't you? Say yes. Yes. So growing up knowing that, I wondered if I ever would do anything with my life or be anybody growing up with that kind of, oh, there she goes. There goes Virgilie Joe's niece. There she is. I was scared all my life. I almost didn't ever date anybody because I was scared that I was not going to end up like that. But anyway, so generational curses that are passed on from one generation to the other. Now, this is what I want you to get today. The definition of a curse is an unclean iniquity that increases in strength from one generation to the next. Each generation gets weaker. Do you, are you following me? There are younger. I have people in my office who didn't have a nervous breakdown until they were 30 or 34 years old. We have three-year-olds who are heavily medicated from a nervous breakdown. I repeat myself. The Bible says each generation gets weaker. I have people in my office who started looking at pornography when they went away to the military at 21 or 25 years old, somewhere in there, and they have seven years old who is completely addicted to pornography. Each generation, once the iniquity gets inside, it goes on and on and on, okay? Okay? And who comes into a relationship? It says that after it's affecting the seed, that the family and who comes in relationship with that family rebels against God and will bring the curse. Whoever, whomever, because whomever you lie down with, whomever you become emotionally attached to, will determine the direction of your life. Now what am I saying, folks? What do you think I'm saying? Wake up, little girls, and listen to me. Wake up, young boys, and listen to me. Whomever you become involved with, who you marry, and take on as being your wife or your husband, will determine the direction of your life. How do you know that? If you don't believe it, ask your grandmother. And don't lie, grandmother. Tell the truth. There you go. There you go. Tell them the truth. Tell them the truth. Tell, ask your father. Some girl that he got involved with, ask him, didn't it change the direction of his life? For the best or for the worst, they will make a decision for you. Whomever you get involved with emotionally. The Bible says above everything else, guard your emotions. Guard them. Because whoever gets their hands on them will determine. Oh, we can look in the Bible. We can talk about that, but I'm not here to do that today. Let's stay on this. My husband is not here to keep me going, so let's just... (laughs) 
<laughs> but do you understand me? Are you following me? Okay, good. Good, okay, as long as you're following me. So, the mystery of iniquity. Paul refers to this in the unseen and the mysterious connection. Now listen to this. Now this is Paul talking. And you've read this before, but it didn't mean anything to you. And as this is in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7. Now listen to this. Paul refers to this unseen and mysterious connection between a father's sin and the path of his children. So you say, what I'm doing has nothing to do with anybody else but me. That's a lie. It's straight from the pits of hell. That's a lie. You'll be dead in the grave pushing up daisies and your children will be dealing with what you did. I'll show that to you in the Bible where it says, my grandfather is dead, but we have to deal with his problems. It's there. So don't say that anymore. That what I'm doing, sin is never done in isolation. Oh, oh, merciful Father, let me just go on here. Okay, I, I was going to talk to you about the first curse in the Garden of Eden. Of course, we all know about that. Do you know about that? You know what happened in the Garden of Eden, right? Everybody know that? Raise your hand if you do, otherwise I'd have to tell you. Okay, I'll move on for that. But the first curse took place there. And you people say to me all the time when I'm speaking all over the world about this, this curse thing. And you, by the way, by the way, it doesn't matter what language or what culture is in. It works the same way. It works the same way. It's amazing what I've learned in other foreign countries. I was in the Middle East not too long ago. And I was talking to a group of people. And they said, my grandfather did this and my father did this. I said, it's called generational curse. God made all of us. Even though we got here and got dissatisfied and want to be this and want to be that, we belong to him. And Satan is after his seed. Doesn't matter who it is. So, so so, So you understand that. You cannot have the curse without the sin. Yes. Got to sin first. Adam and Eve sin first. And if you don't believe the curse is a real and operating today, how many of you have children? Yeah. Men, put your hand down. Women, you have had the children. Who gave birth? <laughs> <laughs> Women, be sure to tell some man today that you did prevail. It was painful, was it not? Yeah. Now that's the result of what happened in the garden. That's what God said would happen to you. Okay? Now, how many of you men have a job? Now, God said that you were going to work by the sweat of your brow. Do I have to go on with the curse? Do you believe it's real? Say yes. It's real. It's there. When I get to heaven, I'm going to talk to Eve about her situation. (laughs) I'm going to try to move so I can get to all of this today. There are four reasons, there are four ways that this thing can be passed. The curse. There are four ways, and I want you to make a note of this. Remember it. God says, I'm a jealous God, and I will visit the iniquities of the fathers upon the children to the third and the fourth generation that hates me. The iniquity, iniquities are the sins that are passed on from one generation to the other. I'm going to say that over and over. I don't have Alzheimer's. I just want you to get it. God talks about iniquity. And I don't understand why people don't understand this. David said, I was born and shaped in iniquity. Iniquity takes place in the womb. Are you following me? It's in the womb. When he came out, came out already ready for whatever his father and mother had been doing. Somebody say amen. So you better be careful about this. So we're looking at 
That's one number one. Through the loins. Now the seed reproduces after its kind. Amen. Amen. Seed Amen. reproduces. See it right here? There it is. <laughs> Father, you said if you've seen the Father, you've seen the Son. There they are. That's the seed. It reproduced. I've never seen an apple tree with a banana on it. <laughs> Have you? If you put an apple seed in the ground, guess what comes out? It's an apple tree. It may have little apples, big apples, brown, yellow, but it's an apple. Yeah. There are no bananas. <laughs> the seed reduces reduce after its kind. You can always tell the children by looking at their daddies. Be careful. There's something. It's a seed. Women don't have seeds. Women have eggs. Let me help you right now. He didn't say the egg reproduce after its kind. He said the seed. You plant an egg in the ground 20 years from now and come back, it's a rotten egg. If you put a seed in the ground and just give me a little bit of moisture, the condition of the soil just has to be just a little bit right. Guess what? Something's going to grow. Women don't have seeds. So whatever you lay down with is what you produce. Yes, sir. That's why it's so important for us to teach our sons who you are and what you are. That you've come to the universe, men, with a purpose. There's nothing like you. Nobody can reproduce you. They can try in all kinds of labs and do whatever they want, but there's only one of a kind. God made you to be an authority of this universe. And don't let nobody confuse you. Don't get confused. Okay, let's move on. So he says, Behold, I was shaped in iniquity, and in the sins did my mother conceive me. So remember that? All of us are dysfunctional. Yeah, I wish I had time to talk to you about dysfunctional families, but we'll get to that, some I hope. For I know, well, let's move on. Children can be born with a curse because of the iniquities of the fathers. David stated that he was conceived in iniquity. Yeah. Remember that the iniquities is caused by the curse. So children can be born. Now let me, let me share something else with you. Now I won't, I won't stand at the door and shake your hands because you're not going to like what I'm going to say to you. And so I'll just move on. Um, children who are conceived in certain situations have certain kinds of troubles and problems for a long time. One of them is when you're molested, when there's incest. People just can't seem to get over that because that's a curse. I said, if you do that with your mama, your brother, your sister, I will curse you. And curses are not something that you just walk out from under and pray about. He said, why don't you get over it? Well, you it's very hard to get over it. It's a process. Because a curse, it's a curse. Children who are born, who are raped, born through a rape situation, they're vulnerable to attacks of these various kinds of curses because curses, demons can enter while the child is in the womb. Curses can affect the whole household. The entire house. Look at Proverbs 33. 3. Just write this down. I'll read it to you. The curse of the Lord is in the house of the wicked. Even though the Lord deals with individuals, he also looks upon and deals with the unit, the household, the entire house. You've seen entire families, have you not? 
Entire families behave in a certain way, have you not? Destroyed all being destroyed by the same thing. Whether it's overeating, there's some people who eat themselves to death. The entire family, everybody weighs 500 pounds. I work with that every day. I come from a long line of big fat women, 400 pounders. They weren't ugly, they were good looking. But eating, it is, it's passed on. So it's, when the curse goes through entire households. So you remember that. Children learn from watching their parents. This is the third way. Now, some of you think what you're doing is in the dark. And your children, I had a patient tell me once, she said, I'm very upset with my daughter. I said, why? I came home and found her and the boyfriend on the couch. I said, what were they doing on the couch? Well, you know, Dr. Woods, what they were doing. How old is she? She's 13. And I said, well, I asked the daughter, I said, she says, well, why can she tell me about being on the couch with Bubba when she's sleeping in the room every night with David? Did you hear me? Children, see what you're doing. No matter what you say, no matter how you get up on Sabbath morning, and your favorite thing is don't wear no lipstick and no jewelry, and please do not let anything slip past your lips but a chiclet. <laughs> but yet you're sleeping with Harry, and you are doing some other things. Children, watch you. And what you do is what they do. I have a little granddaughter that's four years old, and I'm learning so much. And as the pastor was saying, he looks at his son and says, it's scary. It's scary when you start watching your children and see yourself. I got a daughter, and the girl is, she gets up in the morning, and she's like the energized bunny. You know, everything is timed out. There's no space for anything. And I said to myself, you're going to drive these poor little children insane. Because there has to be some place for rest, you know, and just doing nothing. You can't do, you got to eat. Okay, my daughter says, so she says, I get up, I hurry up, brush my teeth, I eat, get in the car, I hurry up, get to school, I sit down in school, I get back, I hurry up, eat, I go play the piano, I hurry up. That's the, that's the schedule. So I said to myself, where did this girl learn this, this uh, boot camp mentality? <laughs> this evilness. <laughs> this is not right to treat another human being like this. They are little children. Where did this come from? I had to own it. Didn't look very good, but it's from me. I'm the person. I'm like that. On the lay down, my mother was like, remember I said to my mother, she worked you to death? And the bed was, there was no chairs. I didn't have a chair in the bedroom. You got in the bed, go to sleep, wake up, go to work. There's no sitting down. Whatever you see your parents doing, you can talk about it all you want to. Of course, my mother began to say to me as I got older, girl, you're moving too fast. Well, I want to say to myself now, I'll tell her, why try don't you slow me down? She didn't slow down until she was almost 90 years old. I have a good chance, don't I, to keep on running. I'm almost 70, so I got a long ways to go. Mother, you shouldn't have done that. Okay, I'm going to take today two families and talk to you about the generational curse and to show you how it affects families from a biblical point of view. Because a lot of times when you go to listen to people talk, they give you their point of view and they leave out God's point of view. But today I'm gonna to try and show you that the generational curse is real. How, what time do I have? Do I, can you tell me, can you? 
What time, Pastor? Tell me. Okay, okay. Okay, I'm going to just give you these, these, these scriptures, and I want you to write them down. Uh, we're, going, we're going to talk about King David. 2 Samuel, chapter 11, verse 4, to show you that children reap what their fathers and grandfathers have sown. Now, when, when David sinned, you know the story, right? How many of you know the story about David? Yes. Lift up your hand. If you don't know it, I'll have to tell you. Lift your hands up again. Okay, I'll just briefly remember. Oh, it's too, not enough hands. Okay. David, King David was the apple of God's eye. He loved him. And that's why I love God so much is because he gives us all a second chance. You know, he forgives you. If you all, he, all he wants you to do is to recognize, as they said today, recognize that you're in the garbage pan and that you're stinking and God needs to come in and clean you up. That's right. That's right. So David was supposed to go to war. And he, since, instead of him going to war, he stays home up on top of the hill, looks down the hill and sees Bathsheba. And, of course, Bathsheba was so... He just couldn't, you know, she couldn't resist her. And so he sends down the hill and gets Bathsheba, brings her up the hill and lays with her. And Bathsheba gets pregnant. She sends a message to him later. Now, by the way, everybody is out to war. And David was supposed to be out to war. But he planned it because I think he counted the days. 26, 27, 28, I'm going to be here. I want to be free before I can see Bathsheba. So anyway, so he lays with Bathsheba. And Bathsheba, her husband is out, the hitchhike. He's out to war. And she sends a note to David that she's pregnant. Now, this, I, I like the Bible because even though it was those years, those days, and those people, but you know, it fits us so well today. You know? So David sends for Hariah to come back, and he did. He comes back after he finds out that she's pregnant. And he decides, he comes up with a scheme so that, you know, uh, the baby, even though he's going to look like David, he, he is going to come up with some kind of a scheme so that he doesn't have to own up to the fact that he's been sick with the man's wife. So he brings him in. He says to him, he says, now, he, he, was a, he was a great guy, a nice black man. He brought him in and said, you don't want to go down and stay with your wife tonight. And he says, no, I can't do that. My men are out at war, and I've got to stay here. He said, he said well, no, you've got to go. He tried to get him drunk. He tried to do anything he could to, to make him go home and sleep with his wife. But he refused to do it. So consequently, David is thinking, what am I going to do? You know, you get in that place where you say, I got to do something. I don't know who to call on, but something's got to give. And I'm the king. I got to do something. I got to do something. So what did he do? He takes him aside. What was his name? What was the man's name? Uriah. Uriah. He called him aside. He says, Uriah, here, I want you to take this note. Take it back and give it to the commanding officer. And the note, now, Uriah was a really nice black man. You know, kind and loving and respectable, hardworking. But if I had been Uriah, when he gave me that note, I'd have opened it. I would have read it because he had to walk for a long time. He didn't know what was on the note, but he was such a man of honor that he took the note, walked for however long, went back to the, to the company and the army and gave the note to the head commander. The note read, put Uriah at the front of the line. Take him into battle because David had to kill him. Because he had to cover up what was in that woman's stomach. He had to cover it up. That's what people do all the time. You find ways. Remember, sin is never done in isolation. And so now Uriah is being, put him in the front line, and he kills him. He kills him. Now we got Uriah, Bathsheba, a child. Now we got the army. I don't know how many people lost their lives. Sin is never done in isolation. 
it comes back and double fold and other people are involved. So now David goes in and he prays and he cries. He's not pregnant. She's pregnant. She has a child and he fasts and he prays and stays on her knees, but the child dies. It dies. David is very upset about that. And then somebody comes in and they say to David, David, there is this, Nathan was his name, I believe, and he said, there is something that's gone on in the community, and he tells a beautiful story. I'm sure you know the story. And he said, there is this certain man that has all this power and has anything he wants, and he takes this, this man's only little lamb. He only had one lamb. Poor man had nothing. But he took it. David said, who's that? Who did that? Show him to me. I'm going to take his head off. Why would I let him do a thing like, I will deal with that brother. And he said, it's you. David had killed off Uriah's, <laughs> killed Uriah and took the only thing he had was his wife. Now, I'm going to show you, as I said, I will show you how generational curses and how what you do, Father, is passed on. Now, I'm not talking about fathers only. I'm talking about you women, too. Okay? Some of you think, oh, it's about, no, it's about us, male and female. There's a lot of stuff that I told you I just said about my daughter who runs like this. That's me. Because my husband doesn't get in a hurry for anything. But she's always, that's me. So it's passed on from one generation to the other, whatever it is between husband and wife that comes on the DNA. And so David, one of the things, after he had done that, and 2 Samuel 12, 10, you can look at this later, this is what God said to David as a result. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from your house, because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah, the Hittite, to be yours. The child dies. Now, the oldest son, now these, boy, these children was biblically already there before this happened. David already had these children. And nobody was running off with each other. So sometimes some of the stuff that's, some of the stuff that's going on in your house, you want to ask yourself, what have I done to cause it? What have I done? Have I made some kind of contribution to what's going on? Because his son, Amon, his, son, his daughter, Tamar, they were all there the whole time. So here it comes now. Listen, he said, the sword, because of what you have done, you, not your children, they weren't doing anything to anybody. It was because of what you did. The sword will always be in your house. I am going to deal with you because of your sin, father and mother, what you have done. So here comes now. Here comes his children. The oldest, the son, the second son, rapes his sister. That's incest. I believe that she had a nervous breakdown afterwards. I believe that she withdrew from society because once you have sex with somebody in those times, not like today, but in those days, you were finished. It was over with. Nobody else wanted you. And so I believe that she just simply collapsed and had a nervous breakdown and went into depression, deep depression. However, her oldest brother found out what he had done to his sister. Now, remember what I'm telling you. Before that, these people were all living together in peace. So now he says, because he had raped his sister, the oldest son, Amon, said, he cut the boy's throat. He mm -hmm. killed him. Now remember, he says, because of your sins, the sword will always be in your house because of what you've done. And so he cuts the child's, the man's, his brother's throat. Now the son that he loved the most, watch this, mothers and fathers. Amon, he was on his way back. He slept with his father's wives. He wanted to take over the kingdom. He did all kinds of horrible things that I don't have time to go into. But he went against his daddy because, remember, there'll be no more peace in your house, David. 
because of what you've done. You want to get to the source of the problem? Let's look at what we are doing. It's not all your children all the time. It's sometimes what we have done. We have allowed, we've opened the door and given Satan the most important thing that we have, and that's our children. You'll work all day. You'll work two jobs, cleaning toilets, cooking, whatever it takes. But yet you're destroying them because of the way you behave. I have people who get up in the morning, 4 o'clock in the morning, going to work. Work all day long, drive back home, around the clock, trying to send their children to private school, buying them the right shoes, $200 tennis and whatever else, sending them to private schools. But yet, the children are being destroyed because of what they have done. Are you following me? Say amen. Are you with me? You're not bored, are you? And so now, So now we got a situation where Amon is on his way back to kill his father. Remember, the sword will always be in your house. He's coming back now to kill his father. And his head get caught. He had beautiful hair. He was good looking. You know, God likes hair. Y'all ought to grow hair. He said, you know, he said he had a lot of hair. And he was riding by and he got caught in a, in a bush. His hair got caught in a bush, a tree. And they had to shoot him down like a dog. And they told David, and David just wept like a, like a child. My Amman, my Amman, my Amman. Absalom, Absalom, Absalom. He was gone. And it was because of what he had done. The sword will always be in your house. So the question I want to ask you today, as we look at some of the problems that we have in your house, where is the sword? You got that one? Okay. Now the next one I want to tell you about quickly is I want to talk to you about Noah. I want you to write this down, Genesis 9, 21 through 27. Now, I'm going to tell you something about Noah that sometimes people get a little bit uncomfortable with. But I want you to have you understand something. You know the story about Noah. He was wonderful, right? Yeah. He was saved while all the other people was drowned, but God saved him. So he must have been good, right? Yeah. He took his family and went in an ark. You know the story. But he got drunk after he got out of the ark. <laughs> he didn't make no wine in the ark, I don't think. <laughs> there no vegetables? They had no vegetables. <laughs> he didn't grow anything that he could, you know, get high on. But shortly after he got out, they tell me that he made some strong stuff. Got himself all hooked up. He got drunk, brother. He got drunk. And while he was drunk, you know, he had three boys. You know those boys? Three of them. You always thought it was Ham that he cursed, but he didn't. Now, there's something very particular about this story that I want you to get because it's very important. And that is that why would children, why would you punish somebody so severe, you curse somebody so severe, if they found you drunk, they didn't do anything to you, but just saw you drunk and back out. Nothing happened. But this is the key word. The key, I used to read this, and I used to think, I'm pretty smart. At least I think I am. Why would you do that? God, what does that mean? But the Hebrew word for uncovered in Leviticus talks about a sexual act. So here we go. Follow me, if you will, please. I want to show you something. I want to show you something. After the act that took place between, he cursed Canaan. I want you to follow those Canaanites and what happens to them. This is the first time we start talking about the incest. Remember, incest, there's a curse associated with it. 
I'll get to that in a minute. I, I hope I have time. I'll get to that. But anyway, and so he, he, he finds in there that the Canaanites, when you read about the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Motites, all of those knights, the Canaanites, these are the folks that we're talking about over there in Sodom and Gomorrah. Canaanites practice homosexuality, lesbianism, sexual activities in front of idols, sex with animals. By the fourth generation of spiritual blood was so com- completely corrupt and defiled. Their hearts was inclined only to evil. So in Deuteronomy 20, 16 and 17, God says, now this is God talking. He says, kill everything. All the people and the animals. Everything because they are infected. They are now become this sexual preoccupation. And you can't reach them. He said, I've tried. I've tried. He said, I can't do it anymore. There are families that God, eventually he will leave you to your reprobate mind. He says, I can't do anything with them. Everything that comes into that environment, it becomes defiled. So he burned the place up. There was no more. But Rahab was a Canaanite. And here's what's good about this. So I told you about the Amorites, the Hittites, all the descendants of the Canaanites. God told Joshua, when you go into the promised land, wipe out the whole crowd. He said, I dealt with them. They want to stay in their sin. I want, don't want them to intermarry. Also, I think he said, get the birds and the cats. Get them all. Don't leave nothing running loose. Get them all. Because remember, they're already practicing, you know. They, they, they weren't missing anything. They didn't go on muck. So let's get them. Rahab was a Canaanite. This is what I like about Jesus. I'm talking about the sins of the father and how they follow from one generation to the other. I'm going to get to some real stuff in just a minute, but let me rush through this. Rahab was a Canaanite. She was a prostitute. God is a God of a second chance. If you love God and you're willing to work through this, this is work to get out of what you've been born into, people. It's not just about falling down on your knees and getting up. You'll get yourself some knee pads. You've got to be here a long time with Jesus about this. When it takes place in the womb, it's hard to get delivered from it. But God can. You'll see. So, so Rahab, as you know, you know the story about Rahab. She was a prostitute and, and she saved the, the, the spies. And as a result, now being a prostitute, this is how God can redeem us. Rahab uh, married a Jew and she had a baby and his name was Boaz. I'm sorry, Boaz married Ruth, who became the mother of Obad. You following me? Obed had a son named Jesse. And Jesse is the son of David. David is the king. Rahab is the, the lineage of Jesus Christ. When I first read that, I got excited because I said, I now know why Jesus liked prostitutes so much. <laughs> That's a little humor. Well, think about it. She was one of the best. She was a prostitute. Yes. And that's how they came through that line. You got that? Should I tell you that again? You got it? No, you want to hear it again. Boaz married Ruth, who became the mother of Obed, O-B-E-D. Obed had a son named Jesse. Jesse had a son named David. David became the king. Rahab is the... Yes. You got that? Now, in the Jesus family, yes. That's right, you got it? 
All right, now let me get me go on now. We've got to finish. Lamentations 5, 7, and this is from the Clear Word Bible. I just wanted you to write this down in case some of you think that this is not true. Our fathers have sinned and they're gone. But we have to suffer from their sin. Now, this is a Clear Word version of this. This is a biblical text. Your grandfather may be dead, but you act in the same way your grandfather acted. Doing the same things that your grandfather did. Only you're doing it in a different thing. Now, I'm going to skip some of this and go to something else for you that's what I that I can get a chance to cover all this. I'm so sorry. Um, let's, look at, let's look at some of the curses so that you can understand. Let's bring them down to what we're talking about today, okay? Deuteronomy 27, 16. You're cursed if you dishonor your father and mother. People come into my office with some bad children. Children are just disrespectful. Tell the mother to shut up. The father is not going to do it. Now, if I had ever told my mother, shut up, I would not be with you today. And if I had said it to my father, there is no way that I'd be able to talk to you. But these children, and they come into your office, they're disrespectful. If they disrespect you, they're going to respect everybody. Because you are the first line that they encounter. And whatever they do to you, they're going to do to others. You're teaching them how to live in this world. If they disrespect you, they're going to disrespect the stop sign. They're going to disrespect the red lights. They're going to respect the teacher. It is a whole package. So if you, and I ask, this is the question that I ask the parents. Now, this is the thing that's very interesting. Oh, I wish I had the time. The thing you you know what's very interesting. They come into the office now. They've gone to somebody's school and got initials, initials behind their names. They got their briefcases. You know, those nice shoes, expensive stuff. Doctor, I just don't understand this girl. Her behavior, say dirty, nasty things to me, totally disrespectful to me. I said, well, yes. I don't know. I just don't know. I buy the best for her. I do the best for her. But she is just a horrible, pitiful citizen. How old is this? Pitiful citizen, I ask. Well, she's 12. And you can't control this citizen? So this is the question. This is what I ask these fine, educated people. How did you treat your mother and father? Did you dishonor your mother and father? Because if you did, and that's why this generation... See, there was a generation of people that you didn't dishonor. But as the generations grow, you get farther and farther away from parenting. You have people that you can you don't even reckon. You say, is that your mother or your friend? Because you don't act like parents. You want to be your kids' friends. God said you have to discipline your children. He disciplined us because he loves us. Now, I didn't tell you to beat them, but you know what? Sometimes. Mm. And so... That's one of the things. It's a curse to dishonor your father and your mother. I have four little grandchildren. And so I tell them every day, one of the things that's very important for granny is that you be obedient. And my oldest one, which is a rebel, she said, what happened if you're not obedient? I said, well, I will talk to you about it, and I would hope that you would understand it. But if you don't, I have something to try to help you. I would like to give an interpreter for you. 
that will help you to understand when Granny asks you not to do something for the second time. But I only want to ask you once. That's, that's, right. that's, that's one, one, time. one time. And so she said, what would that be? So I showed her my helper. <laughs> and she said, are you going to use that on me? I said, indeed, indeed I will. <laughs> so she took her sisters over in the corner and she says, you don't want to get Granny mad. I said, no, just disobey Granny. You have to follow the rules, what Granny says. So my daughter said to her, one of the things I know about my mother, she's a no-nonsense woman. Amen. So y'all better listen to her. But anyway, so having children to disobey. Okay, look, look at that one. Then go to, do the, go to um, anyone who, adult, you know, how, how does this iniquity get into the pool and affects the rest of our lives? He tells you in Deuteronomy, you're going to look at Deuteronomy 27, 14, and 15. He talks about uh, astrology and witchcraft. Do you know wow. that you open the door for this, this curse through your, your witchcraft, through your astrology, your hand reading and palm reading, and mothers, some people tell me in the office that when they were kids, their mother took them someplace and they dipped them in some grease or something and washed them with something, something that they do to you. But those kinds of things open the doors. You can't, the Satan has to find a way in. And once he gets in, he wreaks havoc on your children for generations to come. Witchcraft is a curse. And let me share something with you women. When you deny your husband sex, that's witchcraft. I know you want me to talk about that. <laughs> I switchcraft. But yeah, you want me to talk about it, but you know I, I got more to do. You want to hear? Okay. I want to talk about. Come on. Yes, it's witchcraft. Yes, it is. You can't. You, you, this is not something you're supposed to. This is not what we do with that. But anyway, there are Deuteronomy 27:18. This is where he talks that people who are cruel and violent, some mothers can kill their own children. I knew a patient. When you see murder, when you see children who are being very brutal, I had a little boy, I remember down in Florida, there was this little boy who was six years, no, I'm sorry, he was five. You read about him. He came home, we had a fight at school with the girl, five years old, remember that story? Yeah. He came home, he told us, I'll get you tomorrow. Came back to school the next day with a code 44 and shot her. He said, I get you. But so I was called in to ask me some questions about the situation. And I said, tell me about your father and your mother. The mother and the father both was in prison for, for murder. There are generations of people in prison right now for murder. The father did it. The grandfather did it. Cruelty. They're all in there together. There are whole generations because murder is a curse that's passed from one generation to the other. And let me tell you women a secret about abortions as murder. I have people who come to me and they cannot figure out why their children had a little boy who was, um, I think he was three and a half, had taken an iron pop, pipe and was trying to beat the little girl across the street. He said, I said, why, why were you beating her? The blood was coming out. He said, he wanted to kill her. So I said to the mother, and I'm always going to the source. I think I want to get to the end and put the ax at the root because I got to pray about it from that point of view. Don't lock the boy up and put him on Ritalin. That's not the problem. Let's deal with the problem. What happened here? She had had 10 abortions. 10. Murder. So now we got this little boy who's four years old who is practicing because murder, murder. Didn't we just see that in the Bible? 
word is passed on from one generation to the other. So that's, 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 that's Deuteronomy 7, 27, 18. Cruel and violent to kill mothers who do these things. I had, a, I had a mother once who tried to, of course she was on drugs, but you know, I was standing in line one day in a grocery store and the lady in front, you know how you push your card up like you're going to get in front of the lady? And the lady behind her, should have been behind her, grabbed her by her hair and started to beat her and beat her. I mean, we couldn't get her off of her. She was beating her for her life. The lady hadn't done anything but pushed her cart in front of her. No, was she mentally ill? But she had a spirit of murder. You see people like that, don't you? We just had in Washington a girl in, her, in the dorm. I think she's 18 or 19 years old. They had a fight over the iPod. She took a pair of scissors and stabbed her to death. Didn't negotiate, didn't talk about it. That's a spirit. Children are born with the spirits that are passed. I'm talking about what's in your genealogy here. It's passed on from one generation to the other. And some of you pretend like now that you come to church, that you don't know anything about it. Alcoholism is a curse. That's passed from one generation to the other. I have these drunks, now they're, you know, they're walking straight and everything is right. Well, I don't know why that girl is drinking like that. She drank a quarter of wine a night. And I said, how many fifths of bourbon did you drink before you quit? It's passed on. You can stop it. You may stop and Satan is finished with you. He don't want you anymore. He then works on your kids for the next 10 or 15 to 20 years while you lose out. And while you're involved in whatever it is, I'm going to talk about this addiction to sex. Let me get to that. Let me move to that right quick. Let's talk about that. Have mercy if you will, Father. Now, let's talk about sex for a moment. Some of you people have a problem with addictions. The addiction, addiction, there's a root cause for addiction. It could be like the, the, the presenter said this morning, that it could be sex, it could be food, it could be gambling, it could be lying, it could be any number of things, but it's still addiction. It comes from the same part of the anatomy, the front part of the, the lobe. And so, for those who are addicted to sex, it's more than just, it used to be when your father was growing up, was in his heyday, he might have had sex going to the peep machines, you know those old timey peep things you peep in? But now you got it in your hand. You know that iPad? I have people who come into my office. One of, the, one of the, the main problems that people are having now with couples, as I see, is that the other woman or the other man is in the bed with them. What I mean by that, they got the iPad in the bed while they are having sex with somebody else. They're addicted to it. It has had an effect on them in a way that they can't get over it. There are women and people who are addicted to pornography are some of the loneliest people in the world. They're detached. They're detached. They aren't able to feel. Something happened down here that destroyed the ability to trust and interact with another person on that level. So it's easy for me to pull you up on a picture and do whatever I need to do with you and shut you down. I don't even have to hear your mouth. And I don't have to take you out to dinner. And don't care if I had a bath. It doesn't matter. So pornography has taken over, and it's taken over without, and let me tell you something else. Many of you think it's just men, but that's not true. 
The addiction is running rapid with women. For the first time in the history of this country, people are afraid for their children because of women. At one time, we only had to watch out for men. But that's not true anymore. And if you do pornography long enough, it cuts a path through your brain. It's like, it's, and it's harder to get a person off pornography than it is to stop them from doing co crack cocaine. Shall I repeat that? It's harder to stop a person from doing pornography than it is to get them off crack cocaine if they're addicted. And if you get involved in it long enough, it will drive you to do things that you wouldn't ordinarily do. That's why you have so many rapes and all things that are going on now is because if you watch it long enough, it'll drive you to doing something. Grab the cat. You don't care if Fido is whatever. <laughs> You know that's on the rise in the country now. Yeah. Pooch has, not, he's not wearing those mink coats for nothing. <laughs> oh, it's the truth. It's more bestiality is on the rise in America. People spend more money on their dogs and their cats than they do on their children and the neighbor or somebody else is hungry. They're taking care of Pooch. It's billions of dollars every year because they're taking the place of another human being they involved with pornography and bestiality. Back in the day when Solomon and Gomorrah, they did the same thing. This is not anything new. This is nothing new under the sun. But we're talking about the sexual addiction. Sexual sin seems to be the worst kinds of sin because it does so much damage. And these women, there are women who have families, the virtual families on the internet, where they have a husband, they have children, they shop, they buy houses, they interact, and they're completely disconnected from their household. And they live on a virtual... Are you following me? They buy property together. The girl came in my office one day, and I want to read something to you. And then I'm going to stop. Wait just a moment. Let me read this to you. No, I'm going to tell you how to, how to break it. We've got to do that, don't we? Where, where, where's James? And okay, okay, just let me do this. Let me, can I read this to you? On the internet, some women play virtual sex games creating virtual families. In cyberspace, they can create the perfect man with whom they can have the ideal relationship. In the real world, some of these women have husbands, others are singles. In both cases, however, there is no potential for understanding. Uh, uh, it's underlying addiction is what it is. And it's a fantasy world. They sink more and more and every day into this world. They don't want to be...